If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A very serious issue brought to our attention during the course of the last 24 hours, and that is that national sporting bodies being urged to approve one of the biggest changes ever seen in Australian recreational sport. That is a 21-day mandatory stand-down policy across all sports. Dr. Alan Pearce is a professor at La Trobe University and he's also the manager of the Victorian branch of the Australian Sports Brain Bank and it's great to have him on the line today to discuss this further. G'day Dr Pearce. Good afternoon, thanks for having me on. Uh, Absolute pleasure, thank you for coming on the program and providing some clarity around this. Uh, How uh, likely are we to see all of the sports because at at present, Dr. Pierce, we've got a number of sports who are resisting the recommendations. How likely do you think before we see all of those sports fall into line? Yeah, so what came out today were obviously a set of recommendations. They're not binding in any, any sort of fashion. So it's really up to, you know, the clubs and the associations at the community cl- uh, sorry community level, junior level uh, to, you know, take some responsibility and, and take these on, but uh, certainly understand that uh, resources can be an issue. Mm. Um, so I'm not really sure how, you know, how far they'll go. I hope they go as far as they can possibly, you know, with some of the bigger clubs and, and, uh, and see if we can actually get some change uh, at a cultural level too, so that people realise that this is a, a serious injury. Yeah. Okay. Um, given your research, where do you stand on this with the, the 21 days and, and 14 days symptom-free before returning to contact and collision training? Oh, look, for about a decade now, we've, uh, you know, sort of been showing with the science and uh, advocating for longer play, uh, sorry, time out from play, because one of the things that uh, the research that we've found is that symptom resolution doesn't necessarily mean full brain recovery. And this is why we've seen increased risk of, of musculoskeletal injury, so ankles and knees, um, resulting from it, you know, after a concussion, but also multiple concussions. And, you know, I get lots of uh, allied health professionals, you know, calling me in frustration that they're trying to tell parents and uh, coaches to give an extra bit of time out. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of pushback because of a cultural issue uh, to the point where you see kids with five, six, eight concussions a year. And that's that's quite scary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. The change of culture. So so where is that culture driven from? Like I, I I might be a little bit different that, you know, from my point of view, participation is everything. Winning is secondary. Uh, it's great, but it's but it's secondary. Is is that the type of culture change that, that you're looking for, Dr. Pierce, across all sports? Yeah, we, we do need to change the win at all costs uh, culture. 
and uh, and I guess what we're seeing with the AFL and the NRL when players are coming off is a good start, but it's not sort of coming through to the, the lower levels as much as we would like. Part of it is because there's still this culture that uh, I don't want to be seen as weak or I don't want to let my teammates or coach down. Um, I want to be selected next week. It's a big match or it's a semi-final or, or grand final next week. And, you know, I want to play. And we've got to change this attitude that the short-term outcomes of, of winning um, doesn't bear well on long-term outcomes of brain health. And we see many young athletes, teenagers, having to give up their sports early. Uh, we see young men and women quitting at 2021 in tears because... You know, they haven't given themselves enough time and they've had multiple concussions. And we've got the, you know, the long-term ramifications as well. So, you know, we, we do need to change the culture around this injury. It's not a head knock. It's it's actually a brain injury. Yeah. So the other thing around this is too, which, which I have a three kids that played um, rugby league last year. Uh, one of them had a, a concussion during the course of the game. And I felt, and, and having played uh, professionally now nearly 25 years ago, I thought the protocols that they were asked to go through were really, really professional. I was really impressed by that. And and fortunately, they had a buy in there. So he had the week off and then another week off. And so I felt much more uh, comfortable with him going, going back to footy. The concern is, what if there's a kid that plays soccer on a Saturday and league on a Sunday or AFL on a Saturday and, and league on a and rugby on a Sunday? How do you, how do you, is there a, a way to put together a register that covers the child as opposed to the sport? Yeah, that's a that's a, a great question because that's one that gets brought up a lot. Is yeah, kids are, are playing two or three different types of contact sports, and there's no central database on you know knowing if that kids or you know even a, even an adult for that matter is has played a different uh, sport the day before and rocks up and all of a sudden they they get a, a an innocuous impact to the head and they start vomiting and people think well what's happened, what's going on, and not yeah. realising that they had a concussion the day before. So, you know, part of it is is trying to get consistent uh, guidelines across all sports. Um, there has been talk about a concussion passport, but my yep. only concern with that is uh, data, medical data privacy, and how do we make sure that... Two things. One, obviously, data isn't breached. People's medical data isn't breached in some way. Or two, it's not used in a discriminatory way to select a player uh, for a team the following year. You know, yeah. you have two players fairly equal. Um, if if the coaching staff know about their history, which maybe they shouldn't, and it should only be kept with a medical officer, yep. do they choose this player over that player because they've had five concussions in their career and this player has had none? And so, you know, that's that's sort of uh, some of the ethical issues. With, but certainly the your point stands that we have to um, make sure that there is, uh, I guess, some consistency and recognition that across different sports as well. Uh, we've got uh, a reaction from Cricket Australia, NRL, AFL, Rugby Australia, Netball Australia, Football Australia. I could almost read every single one of them and they're the same. Let's do the AFL. The health and safety of players at all levels of our game <laughs> continues, Dr. Allen. To remain our number one priority, which it's, uh, are, are we are we careful that these are, are platitudes and not not real responses? Uh, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I think they'd know that <laughs> I tend to get a little bit uh, uh, annoyed by that 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 
that very line, and uh, because we're, they're obviously, you know, well well placed words, but we don't see the actions in in place, and we know this because last year we had the federal parliamentary Senate inquiry into concussion and repeated head trauma in yes. sport. And many of the sports, if not all of them, I think off the top of my head, said we don't really know what happens at the community level. And this is why the AIS have now stepped in with their recommendations because it's all on, on Hansard if you want to look at it. Yeah, right, right. Uh, we've got a question from a listener. Tony, could you ask Dr. Allen if weight divisions could be another way of reducing concussions? Combat sport has it. Why could it not happen in a full contact sport like rugby league? Oh yes, we. <laughs> that's one area that we would like to see is the removal of uh, age levels and and using you know weight and maturity um, levels. That would certainly help. Um, you know what we see with the you know one or two big kids just rolling through all these other kids and getting you know pushed and slammed into the ground, which is quite scary. I think that certainly would be part of it. Um, the other part of it too, which is a bit more controversial that we have been advocating for, has been modifying some of these sports to the age of 14 just to try and reduce the exposure risk um, while still letting them learn how to play the skills and the strategies of the game. Um, you know, we, we take out a lot of these uh, incidental collisions that are add up over time and possibly with a, a graduated learning of, of how to tackle and, and learn to be tackled properly as they approach 14 years of age. Yeah. Um, do you you mentioned you've been talking about this for a decade? Have you noted any change? Because I look at someone like James Graham, who's a legend of rugby league, who famously said during the course of his career, "Let give me a, a waiver and I'll sign it," uh, because I'm I'm only about here and now. Who now, of course, has um, maybe greater education around that and certainly a different perspective. Have you noted a change from sporting bodies and, and junior clubs? Well, <clears throat> probably in the last five years, we've but, you know, sort of noted changes, and and this is you know really because of tragic cases like Paul Green and Danny Frawley and Shane Tuck and Heather Anderson, and club players who we you would never know their names. Yeah, um, yeah. At the Brain Bank, we've we've had uh, over fifty percent of our our diagnoses of CTR in club players, not elite. So wow. you know this has forced the change from the from the science, and so. We will we will get more improvements, but uh, yes, it's it's certainly a positive step today, at least. Uh, it's subject matter that I'm fascinated by for for lots of reasons, but um, I really appreciate your time today, uh, Dr. Alan Pierce from uh, the University uh, La Trobe University and the Australian Sports Brain Bank. Uh, thanks for your time, Doc. My my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so there you go. I'd I'd love to get your thoughts on that. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The text line zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. As number of concussions for myself during the course of my career, and it's like ah oh, yeah whatever. But when you see your eleven year old get concussed in the first three minutes of a game at Bargo, and you're there going oh hang on, what's all this all about? Uh, so maybe you've got a similar perspective. Zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. All right. Let's get ourselves to a break. If you want to have your say on the open line, we'll take you now. one 1170